welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 75. Hey guys, welcome to the show. What do you do in the summer to keep yourself busy and outdoors? (laughs) I know a lot of guys take up fishing about this time of year, or maybe you're starting to do some preseason scouting for deer or for elk or whatever it is that you chase. Um, You know, who knows? Maybe some of you guys just uh, like to go out and frog gig like I do. Uh, This past weekend, I went frog gigging. I try and do that like once a year, and I usually take out some teen, teen boys. And so it was me and Aaron. He's 18, headed off to college in the fall, and so we thought we'd go out and went to one little pond and we got 20 frogs and we, we probably could have gotten double that it was just a great night um, a lot of fun a lot of fun to do those kind of summer activities uh, the other thing I've been trying to do is make time to get up in my saddle uh, you guys know that I'm a saddle hunter uh, primarily not exclusively um, I, I uh, won a lone wolf custom stand last year and I definitely plan to get that up at some point and, and hunt out of it but I, I love being in my saddle but the thing is with the saddle uh, and filming there's just some things that you need to make sure that you've got ready before season um, uh, you want to climb up in you want to make sure your climbing method is working good check your straps you get up in check your ropes and make sure you get into a comfortable position and so that's what I've been working on shooting in my backyard a little bit and got a little sycamore tree back there that I climb it's got a lot of limbs and so I practice how I'm getting up in the tree safely and staying attached and uh, so that brings me to today's guest today's guest is Heath Hart of H2 Saddles he is the the founder and creator of the H2 Saddle I had an opportunity last uh, summer to try that out and I talk about that during the interview but uh, great saddle great guy and he has some great stories uh tell some deer stories today we jump into some of his turkey um uh, uh, just tactics really um that would be useful for you guys just to kind of put away and think about for turkey season next year but uh it's a fun episode and uh we're gonna dive right in hey if you haven't gone over right now we're trying to push people over to our youtube channel and get people to subscribe so if you haven't checked out shedding light outdoors on youtube be sure to do that we have some really good content over there we just re-released a few videos including my buck video from this past year was my first saddle buck. Uh, we also re-released a public land hunt, uh, Buddy Josh, where he had two beautiful bucks right in front of him. So uh, I think that you guys would enjoy that. If you enjoy the podcast, you enjoy those because we try to tell a story and not just give you the kill footage. We try and put it all together. And so go over to Shedding Light OD and hit subscribe. Guys, that's the end of my plugging and talking. We're going to jump right in. Here is Heath Hart from H2 Saddles. Hey, guys, I have Heath Hart on the line. Heath, how are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, Travis? Oh, doing great. What's what's going on today? Well, uh, doing a little work, enjoying the sunshine today. So, yeah, it's been a some beautiful good... day here in Michigan. Okay, yeah. So, wh- where are you at in uh, Michigan? Um, right now, I'm in Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. Um, All right. Well, I'm I'm a Buckeye fan, but I think we can still we can still be friends. <laughs> you know, we still have. Are you are you a Wolverine fan or Michigan State? Oh yeah. Yep. I'm a I'm a Wolverine alumni, so. Oh man, I tell you, I bleed, uh, I bleed blue. All right, well, you know what? Hunting connects us, so we'll we'll, we'll look overlook that right now. <laughs> I think we I think we can get by it. We can get by, and who it's you know not who knows yet? Exactly, and who knows what the football season is going to look like with this uh, virus deal? So, well, good man. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you run H two Saddles, but give us a little bit of your background, family, and and those type of things. Um. Yep. I'm. Uh, 
I guess I'll start out. I'm the, I guess the founder and owner of H2 Saddles. Um, I have a, a wonderful wife, Shannon, um, three daughters. Um, and, uh, I guess I started H2 Saddles. Um, God has been probably about a year and a half ago when, when I started making the, the plans to make a kind of a, a reality, um, but uh, I started off uh, getting into saddle hunting, and saddle hunting is something fairly new to the, the hunting industry. Um, I tried it a couple of years ago and absolutely loved it from the first time I tried it. So started uh, building a couple of my own, and through so several trial and errors, uh, I built a saddle I liked. Had a couple of people ask me if I could build them one, and... Um, then realized that my my sewing skills wasn't uh, wasn't adequate to to start <laughs> doing anything further than building for friends. So um, teamed up with a, a very seasoned, experienced seamstress, and um, I guess the rest is history. We started uh, started marketing a little bit, and um, now we're um, we've got a full plate as far as uh, saddles to build for others. So it's yeah. Uh, really taken off um and it you know i guess it started as a dream as we can kind of give back a little bit um make a little money as we do it um but uh, mostly you know our prices are are low um we're we're quite lower than anybody else builds it but uh, it's not about you know making getting rich it's about putting people in a in a hunting situation and get them in something that they can afford Absolutely. Now, uh, Heath, before you got into saddles, was is that you know was that always the dream, or what? What, what did you do before saddle making? Um, the saddle. Um, I was always a. Um, I was always a, I guess, an elevated stand hunter. Um, okay. And um, I spent a lot of time logging a climber around. Um, I spent a lot of time lugging, um, lock on, hang on tree stands, um, as well as, uh, sticks or ladder sticks. Um, but, um, it, it wasn't very mobile. Um, you know, your, even my, my climber tree stand was, you know, 25 pounds, something like that. Um, it's great to, to get up a tree fairly easily and fairly quickly but uh when you're lugging that kind of weight through the woods it it wears on you so yeah um i was always a mobile hunter and when i when i found saddle hunting it just kind of sealed the deal for me um you lose you know 15 pounds um right from the get-go is for your setup and uh you're wearing it in so you're not uh you're not have any extra load on your back um you can get up any tree you want to and when, once you sit in it you find that it's um extremely comfortable um my shooting improved um going from a stand to a, a saddle hmm. um mostly because in my mind um instead of being balancing on your feet your your all your weights on your butt so you got your weight on your your butt and your feet, and you're almost forming a, a mini tripod when you shoot. You <laughs> yeah. got uh, you know three points of contact to give you a very stable 
platform to shoot. Um, so I love the comfort. I love the uh, mobility of it. Um, I love the shooting out of it. So to me, it was a, a no-brainer. Um, I, I made the switch and never looked back. Yeah, I started, um, so I started saddle hunting in November of, of 2018 and uh, kind of got into it and just went all out. I, I had the same issue. I, I like getting back in deep, but I, my climber was just, I think it was 18 pounds and even that, you know, just after a while lugging that plus I filmed my hunts to so the camera gear, it just becomes pretty burdensome. So I, I went all in on saddle hunting. I actually got to try out one of your saddles. Uh, last summer, a buddy of mine, um, purchased one, uh, Casey and Casey's actually been on this show before and he loved it. He came over and I was like, man, you gotta let me try that thing out. And I, I loved it. I mean, I really love how light your saddle is. Um, the bridge, all of it kind of works together. And the thing that got me was, um, back whenever I bought my saddle and I, and I, I like my saddle, but like you said, the price, uh, your price is, I mean, that is an excellent price for the saddle that you provide. So, um, definitely an awesome thing that you're doing there at H2. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. We enjoy it. We're, we're quite proud of it. Now H2, is that, uh, after your name or is it, what is, what's the meaning behind the name there? Um, yes. Um, I had, uh, many, uh, I guess in my previous life, I was actually a, um, builder um i'm a degreed engineer but i got into the construction industry and uh, anyways i started doing a little bit of a little bit of work on my own and i had a, a h2 productions was the name of uh, my my uh, company really wasn't a company it was more like a something i just kind of did for myself on the side putting together some plans for stuff so um yeah, it started out as H2 Productions um, when I was young. My name he, being Heath Hart, initials being HH. I'd always sign my name as H squared. Um, <laughs> That's cool. Anytime I wrote a note for somebody, that was kind of my my initials that I'd sign as H squared. So H2 was just kind of a logical step for it. Okay. Cool. Well, last question about like the saddle specifically, and then I, I want to dive into just some of your, your own hunting stories, but I noticed on the website that you guys have a triad bridge. Now, for those of you who don't saddle hunt, basically from hip to hip, you have uh, usually a, a line or a rope that goes across there, and that's where your tether that you hook to the tree hooks onto. So what? explain the triad bridge. What exactly is that? Um, a triad bridge is an adjustable bridge. Um, the, your bridge length um, you're going to find a comfort. You're going to find a sweet spot for it. You know, how long you want that, that bridge length to be. The bridge kind of forms a triangle in front of you. And the shorter or tighter that triangle is, the more it's going to pull in on the side of the saddle. Um, some people call it hip pinch. When you, when you get too much pull pulling in on that side of the saddle. So if you lengthen the bridge, it's going to spread that saddle out a little bit and reduce that pressure you're going to feel on the side of your, your body and your hips. Um, so it's, it's an adjustable, it's an adjustable bridge in length. So you can go from, uh, you know, five inches out to about 34 inches is the longest. Um, and then also not only is the, the length adjustable, but there's a, a constrictor knot that, it uses when it attaches to the saddle itself and that constrictor knot you can slide up and down the 
to bridge loops of the saddle. And what that'll does is it kind of changes the attachment point on the saddle itself. Oh, cool. So you can okay. change the you can change the angle of the saddle. Um, yeah. The main saddle has two straps to it. You've got it's a basically a, a continuous loop, I'd say, of main strapping. Um, and one goes down kind of under your butt, and then the other one kind of rides around your waist. So by changing this attachment point, you can change the pressure that you're going to put either on that lower strap or upper strap, um, really to help dial in the comfort. Yeah. People when they hunt, some people lean, some people sit. Um, and depending on what your style is, you can change that angle of the saddle to, to help with the comfort. Absolutely. And I, I think people, people always say, I can't believe that that thing's comfortable. There's no way. And, and it actually is. It, but it does take some adjustment. Uh, you're, like you just said, the bridge adjustment is huge, knowing how, and mine right now, it's, it's tied on. So I can make no adjustments to my bridge other than to climb out, down out of the tree and then hope I can tie a good enough knot. And it's not ideal. So if guys want to check this out, uh, go over to H2, the number two saddles, h2saddles.com. And if you go to the shop, I'm actually looking right now at your triad bridge along with uh, your saddles and the kits and all of that is right there. So I'd encourage guys to go check that out. But that's a very cool concept, and that's definitely a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, Heath, let's. I just wanted to kind of dive into your hunting background a little bit. How did uh, Describe for us a little bit how you even got started into hunting itself. Um, I guess I grew up... Um, with uh, not so much a hunting family. My father was the first one that took me out. Um, he took me out archery hunting. Um, we had a, a little place that was a family place um, that I had never been there. And I was probably about 12 years old. And it was a hunting cabin that my, my grandfather had owned in partnership with about eight other guys. And uh, my father decided he was going to take me up there and the access to it you had to get across the river so we had a uh, a wire cable that went across the river and when you went up there you actually brought a little cable car with you almost like a um um like a well it had wheels on it and you you basically hook it on it you sit on the seat and then you'd pull yourself across the river on this cable as you're sitting on it. And then you got to the, the cabin across the way and you'd, you'd grab a boat that was stored underneath the porch and you'd row back across the river to get wow. all the gear. So, <laughs> I had so never been up there, but uh, her cool. stories. And uh, we went up there and found the cable going across the river and uh, looked across and the place had burnt down. Oh, so no. very, very disappointing for uh, my first hunt. We still got to hunt the day, but uh, very disappointing on that. But um, yeah, that was back in the, probably in the seventies when that happened. And mm -hmm. uh, so anyways, that was, that was the first time I ever, uh, ever got in the woods. Um, but I, I always had a passion from hunting uh, pheasants with wrist rockets back when I was uh, a teenager, uh, unsuccessfully. <laughs> um, I might add, but, uh, it grew from there. Got my first bow when I was probably, I don't know, first compound bow, I should say, when I was probably about 
13, 14 years old and started practicing it and loved shooting. So next step was to get out in the woods with it. Oh, cool. You remember what kind of bow it was? Um, it wasn't the old bear whitetail, but it was uh, something very similar to it. Mm. It's uh, if, you remember the, if you remember the old bear whitetails that had the, the pulley system that actually hung down from your limbs? Oh, wow. Okay. I haven't seen that one. Well, that, that's, I asked because, you know, it seems like some guys, like that's stuff that they just remember real well. And I'm like, I don't, I was using a bear bow and it was my dad's compound, but uh, I don't remember exactly what kind it was. So anyway, uh, so you get into to hunting deer. So kind of bring us through, how did you get that first deer? Um, my first deer, I was with my friend, high school buddy, and uh, was invited on a trip with his uncles. And we, they had property up north, um, and we actually drove up in an RV. So I think we had about five of us camping in the RV. Um, one of his uncles had driven up separately in a, in a sedan. So I remember getting up early that morning, and it's pitch black. And um, I remember we're all getting ready to hunt out. This is land I had never been on before. So I was just kind of following directions as a young teenager on where to go. But uh, I remember it being pitch black and uh, his uncle loading up, I think it was a lever action 3030. And he had a pointing in the truck of trunk of his car and he was loading it. And uh, all of a sudden I remember hearing a, a boom and a, a flash. And I think when he was taking the safety off his, um, uh, the, the, it's got the thumb um, release on that. Yeah. Thumb, thumb safety on the hammer. So uh, I guess the, the hammer must have slipped off his thumb as he was putting it on safe. And oh, man. Blew a hole right down through his trunk and missed the gas tank by probably two or three inches. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a nightmare. So, <laughs> that, was our, that was our morning. It was still dark. And they walked me over about... Uh, Oh, probably 300 yards away from there and said, here, sit right here. And I sat there and about 20 minutes later, a little spike walked by and I was hunting with a 12 gauge shotgun with buckshot, which was very popular back at that point in time. Um, and he walked up to about 30 yards away and I thought I put a good shot on him and uh, he ran off after I shot. So looked and i didn't find any blood and of course i was too young and innocent to realize that buckshot really doesn't leave a very good blood trail um so i i followed for probably about 60 yards in the direction he went and couldn't find anything so i went back and sat in the same place i was and about 20 minutes later a little spork horn walked by and i ended up uh, dropping him and that was my very first deer now that I think about it, I probably had two deer there, but, you know, didn't really take the time to to think about it. I was, I, at that point in time, I was expecting them to just kind of drop over. Yeah, it's it's interesting whenever uh, you just start hunting and some of those things that, looking back now, it's like, oh man, it's so obvious that, you know, but back then, I mean, if nobody told you, there's a lot that I had to learn kind of the hard way, you know, and kind of figure things out. But you get your first four horns, so that's pretty exciting. Yep, it was... Uh, it was a proud moment, uh, hunting in the, the red flannels. 
<laughs> wow, I have not done that. That's something. Uh, yeah, you see the pictures, but I haven't. You know, camo's yep. been around since I've been alive. So, yep. Well, cool, Heath. Well, so you get your first buck. Kind of bring us through, uh, you know, as you go along. Any other stories as you're growing up that just kind of stand out? Um, and I'd love to hear, you know, maybe how your your saddle hunting is going as we get to that. But any stories between saddle time and the four corn buck that just kind of stand out to you as memorable? Um, you know, I've had, um, you know, I'm, I don't know if it's. I've had several deer that for some reason, um, I went out out in the field. Um, I don't know if they've, they gravitate to that urine scent, but, uh, I've had several deer too, that I think of, um, both of them I shot that, uh, walked in at me as I was, uh, taking a piss. <laughs> Unfortunately, really both, both times my, my weapon had been sitting there propped against a tree. Um, which is not the best practice to do, but, um, um, yeah. So it was, uh, one time I didn't even get my pants zipped up before I was taking the shot. So it was some funny <laughs> stories, some interesting <laughs> stories. And then you have, uh, you have a textbook, textbook stories. Um, yeah, probably the biggest thing that I've learned over my hunting, hunting career is, uh, practice. Mm. You know, if you're, especially as a mobile hunter, you want to, you want to practice that setup, um, in the dark, um, as well as, uh, you know, in the light first, obviously, but, uh, you know, practice in the dark because that is a, a totally different ball game, um, yeah. setting up in the dark than it is in with, uh, being able to see. Yeah. So. That, that's, that's great advice. And especially, especially if you never used a saddle, I mean, it's one thing to climb up in a, in a hang on stand that's been there and you've done it before in the daytime. You, you probably should practice that too, but saddle's a different thing. If you're not used to it, knowing where to, to tether and, um, how you're going to get up the tree, all of that stuff that right now, especially if you're listening to this in, in June, almost July, now is a great time <laughs> to do some of that, to practice and, and oh, be yes. ready for the season. I, yep. I got my saddle uh, during the rut. I think I got it on November, like the third. Um, and so I was trying to learn how to saddle hunt during the rut, which I would not recommend. <laughs> it's not a great time to be swinging around, trying to figure out where you want to put your legs and all that type of thing. So, yep. It does yeah. take practice. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive it's, into it's, a, it's a quick learning curve, quick learning curve, but, uh, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be a novice right. trying to, trying to get a deer the first time sitting in it. Yeah. So can you, can you bring us up to your first deer in the saddle? Uh, how did that go down? Um, first deer in the deer, deer in the saddle was, um, pretty textbook. I was, I was hunting, a a scrape. Um, I was set up about 20 yards. Um, not quite downwind of the scrape, but, but downwind ish, a little off to the the one one direction from being straight downwind um trying to trying to make sure that if a deer does come in downwind i was kind of on the opposite side of the direction that i think he was going to come but um um pretty textbook a deer came in um he didn't come in from the direction i thought he would but i went straight to the scrape and worked it and uh after he got done working it, I had a pretty, pretty textbook, uh, textbook shot on him from about 16 yards, maybe. 
Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, he took off and then uh, sat there for about five minutes and thought, well, you know, I should probably get down and see if I can find some blood. And just about that time, I had a eight point walk in and uh, walk right underneath me. And I had another tag in my pocket, but I was actually hunting by myself. And, and at that point in time, trying to get two deer out of the woods by myself was too much of a, too much of an undertaking for a single day. So um, gave him a pass and got some nice video of him um, walking underneath me. But, uh, yep, that was my first, first year out of the saddle. And, uh, I'm sure there'll be many more in the future. Um, I'm, I'm now pretty much reserved to a public land hunter. Okay. Um, so I, I do enjoy the, the challenge. Um, I like the fact that I'm not hunting over a, a food plot, uh, really trying to put in the time to, to find the deer, pattern the deer, and put myself in a spot that's really kind of a, a one-on-one um, situation where you're you're trying to outmatch those deer. Yeah, I, I think there's something rewarding about that being able to just kind of pick a spot and looking at terrain. You find you finding a scrape and being able to hunt over that. Um, you know, I mean, there, and I would not knock anybody that hunts over, uh, a bait or whatever they choose to do. I think whatever makes you happy. But I, to me, it seems like it's pretty rewarding just to pick a spot on a map and to go in there, scout and, uh, to be successful. You know, that, that's a really rewarding feeling to me. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely a challenge. It's definitely yeah. a challenge to, you do have to put in the time into, to find that spot and, and locate a deer that you, you want to harvest. Yeah. Something you mentioned, you know, about the, as that deer comes in, I'm assuming that you're keeping the tree between you and, and that buck as he comes in, right? Um, yes, I was keeping the tree between him. Um, that was actually, um, on that deer was actually a weak side shot that I had to take, which, um, it's not my preferred shot, but, uh, that's the one he gave me. Okay. Um, so Saddle is a little different than a, a tree stand. You can, you do have the ability to shoot 360 degrees around the tree. So there is no spot that you can't shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, the hardest shot, just like uh, being on a, uh, a tree stand, I guess, is uh, if that uh, deer comes into your weak side, which would be your, um, if you're right-handed, you're going to pull with your right hand and, turning to the right side is the hardest shot to take. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got that bridge that's kind of going up to the tether. And so, and you got your bow hanging to the left most likely. And so uh, I've had to have that. I've had to take that shot. You, you can either go up and over your bridge. So kind of a quick motion over, you can go under your bridge sometimes, or some guys that are on a platform, they're able to turn their body all the way around in order to make that shot. So it is, it is rather difficult. Correct. And the other option, if, if you've got a tree that is small enough, you can actually, and you, you've got a step on the opposite side of the tree, you can actually push off and walk, I call it 180 degrees around the tree. Um, so you're actually walking kind of around the tree to shoot. It was kind of a, the fourth option that you have. Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing, like... Um... I think that's part of the reason I love saddle hunting. I try not to be, I think some, some saddle hunters get pretty passionate about it and they, uh, you know, get 
they really try and convince all their buddies. And I, I, I think I've already, my buddies have all tried my saddle and they've, some of them have liked it and they've tried it and others are like, no, nah, it's not for me. And, and I think that's the thing. You've got to try it to know. Um, right yeah. now, saddle hunting, like you said, it's, it's, uh, I think it's been around for a good while, but it's gained a huge popularity in the last two years. So most likely somebody, um, around probably owns a saddle that you could try out. So I'd encourage guys to, to give it a go, you know, go see if it's something that you would want to try. And, um, you know, that's, that's the important thing. Yep. It's truly a different feeling. I mean, it's kind of a feeling of floating yeah. rather than standing. And some people, your whole life, your your program that you're standing on your feet. You know, your gravity's pulling you down, and you're standing on your feet. And all of a sudden, when you're put in a situation where, hey, I really don't have that weight on my feet anymore, um, and you're kind of floating up in the air, it's kind of a it's kind of a a different feeling, and it's something yeah. you have to something you have to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the, to me, all of the advantages uh, outweigh anything that's just a little bit of a learning curve, but you figure that out pretty quickly. Yep, I would agree. But, Heath, um, I, I do want to ask you, in our before we hit record, you mentioned something about turkey, so I kind of want to throw in a little bit of bonus turkey um, uh, content here at the end, but any other uh, you know, whitetail stories that just kind of stand out to you as just being some of your favorite, one of your favorite mem- memories? I'll, I'll give you a chance here. Any, one more story that you got? Um... I, I, there's lots of stories. I mean, I, I love hunting. Um, there, there's so many memories that you make with, make with your friends. Yeah. Um, I've had a, a deer lease for, for many, many years with a couple of my closest, closest buddies and, uh, just so many, so many good times that we've had. Um, you know, I, I love, love the fact that, uh, um, there's so many hunters that are bringing in our youth into the sport. Um, I encourage anybody that if you got a chance to, to bring a youth out into the woods um, and enjoy it and, and teach them a little bit, um, we're, we're losing, we're losing hunters. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see the, the, the industry and the sport continue. Um, and the only way that's going to happen is to bring our, our, next generation in in and out in the woods enjoy nature absolutely i i 100 percent that i think that that's that's what it's all about getting um kids in the woods and I've, I've seen a lot of people actually on instagram and facebook that are getting their kids into saddle hunting and you want to talk about um uh, to me i think that's a great idea i mean to safely teach a kid how to get up the tree so that you're always connected that's a, a benefit of the saddle and then getting up in and um, not having to just kind of sit on your butt and sit still. What I kind of like about the saddle is you're able to just kind of move a little bit, you know, not, you know, not jerky motions that a deer would catch, but you are able to move, you're able to change positions. And to me, if I was a kid going hunting, I think that would just sound like fun. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. But any type of hunting that you that's can do. That's the downside. That's one yeah. of the downsides is because when you're up there, it's, it's, it's fun to move around yeah. in a saddle. So trying to keep yourself still sometimes can be a challenge. That is true. That is true. Well, uh, Heath, let's dive in a little bit. Uh, and I don't know if you got specific stories just in general, but, uh, you mentioned before we hit record that you've had a pretty good success hunting turkeys. And, um, I, on the other hand, this past year did not have a great amount of success. So I want to hear from you about some of those stories about uh, how you've been successful as a turkey hunter. We'll wrap up with that. Um, yeah, I've, I've had actually... I guess I've been very blessed with having some great success with turkeys. Um, 
you know, my in Michigan here, we're in the spring, we're allowed one tag. So you get, you get one bird. Um, and, uh, the tags are kind of different than most states because you have to buy a tag that's specific for a certain time and within a certain zone of the state. And they've got, um, oh, there's probably, I don't know, 20 zones throughout the state. So I can, you know, buy a tag that's good in, in one county and then I can drive five miles down the road in a different county and my tag's no good there. So you're very limited to the dates you can pick. Um, you, you, can only also, hunt, you can only hunt one bird per state or per zone? No, per state. Wow. So you get, you get one tag for the whole state and that tag you get is usually restricted to the early, the earlier dates, they, they open it up in kind of a one week periods. And then the later time frames, they, you know, like the second month that the season's in, you can get a, a two week tag. That's good for a two week stretch. Um, the tags also vary between public and private land. So you can't, if you get a private land tag, you can't go hunting public land with it. So it's the tags are very restrictive um, in Michigan. So you really have to have a plan before you buy a tag of where you're going to hunt and make sure you're you're open for that that time that okay. your tag is uh, you're you're going to put in for a draw, um, and hopefully you get that that time and tag location that you want whether it's private or public land so okay gotcha. it's tough so um yeah i've been uh i've been fortunate that uh you know my my for the last i'd say 10 years um my time in the woods turkey hunting has been very limited only because uh the season's usually a 15 30 minute long season i um locate them on the roost and uh, set up about 80 yards from them um, in the direction I'm assuming that they're going to come down and head to and uh, a couple well, calls on the ground and they usually fly down right to me. Well, that's okay. That's awesome. So tell me, so I, I hear guys say that a lot. It's all about scouting and being able to locate them on the roost. And I'll, I'll give you a scenario for me. This is what happened this year. I tried to go out and roost some birds and I had birds a couple different times, and I'm doing this in the evening. So I go out in the evening. Uh, about the time it's almost dark, I'm I'm pretty sure they're up in the trees. I'll give out an owl hoot, and they'll they'll gobble. The problem is I know kind of where they're at, but I'm I'm still they're off in the distance, and I'm not super close. And so um, I've heard guys say that maybe I should move in a little bit tighter and then call again and see if I can really kind of peg that you know, 70 to 50 yard radius that that bird is, is in, if not the tree that he's in. Um, and, and so I've, I've had trouble. I got in close a couple times this year, birds flew down the other way, uh, and didn't quite give me a shot, but how, how do you go about figuring out where they are and then getting in quietly without bumping them off the roost? Um, yes, I'll, I will locate them, uh, very similar if I can the day before. Um, a lot of times, um, I have a, a good knowledge of the areas they liked roost. Um, so if by chance I don't get out the night before I'm out there before light and usually about the time that, that, um, that Eastern sky is starting to light up a little bit, they're, they're calling on the roost mm -hmm. and that usually gives me enough time to 
to get within range that I want to be, um, all depending on the light situation. Um, you know, I guess as close as you can without getting busted. Usually that's in that 80 to 100 yard range. Um, but if I get closer than that, um, I would probably bust. But at the same time, I've, I've set up, you know, and set up where I thought was a good spot and then find out that there's, you know, half of the half the flock of the hens um, is, is right above me. Yeah. After, after the light comes up. So, wow. Yeah. And tough. so you, do you give a couple tr- light. So you said you give a little bit of calls and then you just go silent. Um, I will give a, um, I will give a couple calls, a couple light clucks, um, very similar to what you'd hear a, a bird just kind of feel on the air in the morning. Um, just single clucks. Um, and then, um, as soon as that, that light comes down. I like to do a fly down cackle. And at the same time, I'll flop my hat around and bang it on the ground a little bit to simulate the sound of a bird flying down and landing. And that usually seals the deal for me. Mm, that's awesome. After is that, that, how, after is that, that how it played out this year? Um, year, um, I did not do a fly down cackle but I was not close enough to the birds. I, I was set up probably in the neighborhood of 180 yards away, and I could not get any closer without getting busted. Um, and the reason being, I had to, I had to circle um, all the way around these birds. They were on a very narrow strip of public land um, in the direction that I was thinking that they wanted to go was the opposite side of where I was coming in from. So I had had to make a a big loop all the way around these birds. Um, And by the time I I made that loop, it was too light for me to get any closer than probably 180 yards. Um, And that this season was probably closer to uh, 45 minutes by the time they flew down and worked over to me. Single bird. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Heath, I mean, I appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing some of your stories and, and telling us a little bit about uh, H2 Saddles. Um, so if guys uh, want to find out more about H2, I mentioned h2saddles.com. Uh, you're on uh, Facebook and Instagram too, right? Correct. Yep. Cool. Yep. And, and one of the things I've, I've heard about you and I've seen this is that uh, customer service is top notch. You do a great job of just answering people's questions. I've heard about people getting swag in the mail, stickers, and all that kind of stuff. And so um, just from what I've heard, uh, you do a great job with those type of things. Yep. Well, thank you. Yep. We don't, uh, we're a little different than other companies. We don't do um, really any advertising, um, we don't do a whole lot of self promotion. All our promotion is really from our customers, so uh, I think it um, it speaks highly of of us when it's the the customers that are really generating our business for us. So absolutely, and uh, appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah. Love talking. Um, I could do this all day. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Heath, and I hope that you have a good one, man. Thanks. All right. I appreciate it. Bye, Travis. Bye. 
Enjoyed having Heath on, a uh, really good guy, and he's got a good company there. And uh, from what I can tell, one day trying it out, a really good saddle. I actually asked my buddy Casey the other, uh, just the other day, I was like, how do you how do you like your saddle? And he said he loves it, uh, really enjoys it. So I'd encourage you guys to check that out if you're interested in, in saddle hunting. You know, I, we, we did talk a little bit about that. Saddle hunters sometimes can be a little obnoxious. Um, if you're a saddle hunter, I hope that you're not offended, but sometimes we are. Sometimes we found this new thing, and granted, it's not really even that new. It's just become popular. Um, but we found this new way of hunting that just it excites us, and it's and it's fun. It's not to say that the other ways are bad, although some people would say that. Um, it's not to say that the other ways are ineffective, although some people would say that. But to me, it's just fresh. It's new. It's a fun way to hunt, and it's just it changed things up. For a while, I was just kind of into the climber mode, and I had done that for about five years, and um, you know, I, I just I wasn't enjoying it nearly as much. Um, it was effective. I killed deer out of the climber, but you know, it was a little clanky, a little loud, kind of heavy. And so I saw this thing. Uh, I was actually listening to Mark Kenyon on Wired to Hunt. He had John Eberhardt on, and I just thought, man, this is. Um, Sounds like an interesting way to hunt. I looked into it and thought, you know what, I'm going to pull the trigger and I'm going to do this thing. And it's just been a fun, exciting, new way to hunt. And I think about sometimes in life how we can get, I don't know if you're like me, but you just get stuck in the same old routines. Um, <laughs> quarantine uh, kind of got us out of our normal routines, but then I don't know if you're like me, but we, we got into a quarantine routine. <laughs> So, doing the same things every day, and um, you know, sometimes in life though, it's good just to mix it up, to change things up, and, and the same is true kind of with our spiritual life. I don't, I don't know if you have any spiritual life, but if you have a spiritual life, sometimes you, you get up, you pray, you maybe read your Bible, or you go to church, and you just kind of have this thing that you do, and it's a good thing to have a habit. But every once in a while. I think it's good to try something new. Isaiah 42, 10 says, Sing uh, to the Lord a new song. His praise from the end of the earth, uh, you who go down to the sea and all that fills it and the coastlands and the inhabitants. And it says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Well, why a new song? Why not sing to him just an old song? Why not just sing to him the song that you've always sang? Why not just sing to him something that you like? I, I think the idea here is that with the new song, you have to be a little creative. You have to think a little bit outside the box in order to sing a new song. And I think that's kind of what God sometimes wants, is for us to use a little bit of creativity, um, not be afraid to try something new in our faith, try something new, um, you know, that you know, obviously the Bible would say it's okay to try, but, you know, um, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe a prayer journal, or maybe it's a different service project that you've never done before. Maybe it's putting yourself into a spot where you're going to go on a mission trip for the first time. Um, maybe it's a little uncomfortable, but maybe that's in those moments when you're a little uncomfortable, there's that learning curve that we talked about with the saddle. Maybe there's a learning curve, a new skill that you need to develop that would help you develop a better relationship with God and in turn help other people. So there's a thought for you today. Maybe Maybe try something new. It's the summer months. Maybe it's a chance for you to, to give it a go. Maybe there's something that you always wanted to try. Give it a go. See if you like it. If you don't, it's always it's okay to come back to where you were, but uh, give it a try and don't be afraid. So that's my uh, challenge for you today. Thank you guys for coming back to another episode. I will say that in the next few episodes, I'm going to be working on just some of the funniest stories. So if you have a funny hunting story, uh, just something that you just, whenever you're sitting around the fire and you know it's a good story, it's going to make people laugh, uh, I'd love to hear that story. 
kind of putting together just a group of those type of stories. So if you would want to send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com, um, you can write out the story and I might read a few of them. If you'd like to come on the podcast, I'll have you come on and maybe just tell that story, just a short and sweet version. Or I could have you on as a full featured guest if you have a bunch of them. Um, or if you're not comfortable coming on the podcast but feel like you could record yourself, that's the other option. Go ahead and record yourself. Send the recording over to sheddinglightod at gmail.com. I just want to have some good laughs over the next couple episodes so guys thanks once again for your participation for listening thanks for the reviews and the likes and all that good stuff and remember to shed the light